from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Throughout our lives, most of us have been taught to improve on our weaknesses and rely on our strengths only when they're most needed. Author and consultant Marcus Buckingham takes a different approach. Buckingham says we should focus on our strengths and manage around our weaknesses. Buckingham will address the 2020 CUNA Governmental Affairs Conference, February 23rd through the 27th in Washington, D.C. In this podcast, Buckingham explains how the challenge for managers is combining every team member's strengths into a cohesive unit that focuses on one or two specific outcomes. You stress that managers should encourage employees to work on their strengths rather than their weaknesses. Can you talk a little bit about the rationale behind this? When you study what the best team leaders do, they are good at many things, but one of the most important things they're really good at is individualizing. They see the uniqueness of each member of their team, and then they realize the best way to help the team is to ensure that each unique team member is bringing their unique contribution to the team. And in fact, that's the point of a team, is to do together what no one person could do by themselves. And the point of a team is to pull together different people with different strengths. And the challenge of the team leader is to then orchestrate those different strengths to achieve the team's goals. So first and foremost, the best team leaders realize that uniqueness is the point. And each person's uniqueness is valuable in and of itself. Second, and more challengingly, I suppose, they realize that people will grow most in their areas of strength. The science on this is unequivocal. People grow more synaptic connections in the areas of their brain where they have the most pre-existing synaptic connections. That's the way nature works. You grow more where you already know more, show more, reveal more comparative advantage. And so the best team leaders, as you can imagine, are always trying to get the best return on the investment of their time or energy with a person. And counterintuitively, the best return you get is where you find what someone's got some natural strength in and you figure out ways to leverage it, develop it, apply it, and you see exponential growth. That doesn't mean they ignore the person's weaknesses. You've got to address them. person is so weak at showing up that they don't actually show up to work every day. You obviously have to address that. But they don't call weaknesses areas of opportunity because the person's weaknesses are areas of least opportunity. So uh, both from a just a beginning standpoint, is a person's uniqueness interesting and useful? Yes, it is. They're the best team leaders. And second, where will a person grow the most? The answer to that question for the best team leaders is out of your areas of strength. So how does that affect how managers manage like on a day-to-day basis? Do they just steer the person away from their weaknesses and just to the strengths or like on an interactive basis? How does that affect how they manage? For most managers, they're always in a state of vigilance in terms of making sure that the people on the team aren't making mistakes that are going to hurt the team or hurt the customers or hurt the product. And as you think about what a a normal team leader's highest priority interrupt is, the highest priority thing that sort of interrupts their day and and makes them pay attention, mostly the highest priority interrupts are where errors or mistakes or vulnerabilities are occurring. And so your interactions day-to-day with people are, there's a lot of stop that, no stop that, no stop that. The best team leaders seem to have figured out 
that that isn't terribly helpful. Change follows the focus of your attention. So weirdly, the more you pay attention to mistakes and errors, the more that your whole team environment becomes pathologized. You spend a lot of time talking about all the mistakes and the weaknesses and the red areas. The best team leaders do the opposite. They realize that if a person's going to learn, then the best way to help them learn and grow is to help that person pay attention to those situations, activities, interactions that really work. Whether it's an email that was written right, whether it was a way that you calmed down a customer who was grumpy, whether it was a way in which you saw how two people on the team should collaborate better together. The best team leaders are always on the lookout for what works in a person. And so whenever they see something going right, their data interaction is going, wait, wait, that, that, what was that? What's going through your mind when you did that? And the that they're pointing at isn't an error. The that that they're pointing at is something that works. You're a writer. So if I was managing you, I could spend a ton of time going, well, that possible is dangling and that's a split infinitive. And in the end, you might write a piece with no grammatical errors. But if I really wanted you to get write a piece that really soared, my attention should be on those three or four paragraphs where suddenly you grab my attention and wouldn't let it go. And if I went that, 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 or that, what was going through your mind? What were you thinking? How did that work for you? Then what I'm really doing is strengths replay. I'm capturing something that resonated with me and I'm going that. How can you do that again? How can you refine that? How can you build upon that? So that my job as a manager really is to help you become ever more expert in and connected to your own moments and places of real effectiveness. The better I do that, you know, we all know that learning is insight. I, I don't teach you by injecting you with advice. That never works. Learning, we know, is, is always generated from within the learner. But really what I'm trying to do as a team leader is capture moments that really work for you so that you, not me, you can figure out ways to innovate around them, refine them, reapply them, maybe even teach others about them. My day-to-day interactions are fueled by strengths replay. Yeah, that's really an empowering, powerful approach, not just for work, but just in life in general. Sure. That isn't just to praise. That's a really important distinction these best team leaders make. It's like, good job is not the end of a sentence. We tend to think it's the end of a sentence. Good job. The best team leaders go, no, 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 that's the beginning of an inquiry. Good job. Now, why did you do that? Why did you make that choice? How did you put those sentences together? Why did you, like, it's the beginning of an inquiry because the raw material for your future greatness is your current goodness. It's not just being sweet and nice. It's being very penetrating and interrogating around what works. You mentioned that what strengthens one person might weaken someone else. If we're in a business environment and we have to focus on just a few outcomes, how can we account for that? The first thing to say on that one is that is the way of life. That is true. So if you have more than one child, you'll see this immediately. Yeah, you're in a relationship. Yes. Yeah, right. And so the first thing to know is you're not going to train that away. No system or process or tool or technology is going to grind a person's uniqueness down so that now all of a sudden, after two years of working on your team, suddenly everyone is energized by exactly the same suite of activities or situations. That's just not, that's not going to happen. Or if it does happen, it means that your entire approach to managing people is to try to grind what is unique and special about them out. What an awful way to run a team. But the second thing to say about it is, 84% of people say they do most of their work on teams. Almost all of us are doing teamwork. Work is teamwork. 
And the whole point of a team is to make your weirdness useful by combining it with someone else's weirdness. We pull people together in teams precisely because what strengthens one person doesn't strengthen another. And the best team builders are those people who figure out how to interlace these uniquenesses into a a team where maybe not every base is covered, but you've got a lot of people drawing strength from different things, but together you're delivering what the business wants, whether it's a guest experience at a hotel or whether it's a, a sale on the back of a presentation, piece of software code that's written. The solution to the fact that none of us are perfect or perfectly well-rounded is that you combine us with other people who are equally imperfect, although differently so, and you end up with a team that can deliver the outcome that a business wants. And how do managers balance the strengths and weaknesses within a team? Well, it's not really balanced. When you look at what the best team leaders do, they are very clearly trying to deliver an outcome. So the outcome in military terms, it's take that hill. What's the mission, right? But if you're running a restaurant, it's, I've got to deliver a fantastic food experience, dining experience to these guests. So in a sense that, you know, that's my responsibility is the outcome. How do I deliver the outcome? Well, I've got various elements that I can play around with. One is processes and how I cook the food and bring it out and all the rest of it. But another big one, of course, is the people. And so how does a manager balance the team? That's kind of the wrong verb. It's more like how does the manager maximize the uniqueness of each person to deliver the outcome? And so they're always looking for, look, I've got these people. How do I get them to work together so that what energizes one is what I've got them doing a lot of the time? And this person over here, they're doing this a lot of the time. And bringing them together in that way, I'm a better chance of hitting the outcome. I'm not forcing them to be like each other. I'm actually just encouraging them to see there's an awareness thing where I'm aware of what strengthens you. You're aware of what strengthens me. And that awareness helps us to work better together. The the point of work isn't necessarily to have you self-actualize. It's almost more like in order to get the best outcome possible, you need to be (laughs) self-actualized. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all working for a result that makes complete sense. It simplifies everything when we focus on the outcome and and everybody kind of needs that in life. And what the research shows that you is that the most effective part in nature always to an outcome is always the same. It's always the path of least resistance. And so in managing people, the same rule applies. You've got an outcome where you want a bunch of happy guests. Well, you've got to find the path of least resistance for each of the people delivering guest service. And it's not going to be the same. It's not a straight line. Do not straight line it. Number one, you'll inefficiently achieve your outcome. And number two, you're going to grind your people down so that no one wants to work for you. We have a bit of a revolution on our hands, Ron, actually, because the best team leaders have understood that human uniqueness is an asset to be maximized on a team. And that's the point of a team, that you've got different people. Organizations have set up their systems and policies to try to grind those differences down because at first blush, they seem to fly in the face of the organization's need for conforming to outcomes. So we've got a weird situation where virtually all people processes inside of companies, goal-setting processes, learning processes, performance rating processes, 
almost all of them are designed to remove what is unique about you or to be ignorant of what is unique about you. And the most obvious example of that is we don't, in all of these systems and policies and programs, we don't even look at teams. We can't even see the teams. We see boxes on an org chart, but most people work on more than one team and those additional teams are not reflected on the org chart. So we can't even see their work. So you have this really interesting juxtaposition between what a team member wants to feel at work and what a team leader wants to do with you at work on the one hand. And on the other hand, all of the people systems inside companies contradict what the team leader and team member want. It's very weird. And you need to add a level of pragmatism in there. But then again, it's funny, isn't it? It's like pragmatic. The most pragmatic thing a team leader can do is to take each person for the unique human that they are and then maximize it. One of the reasons why so many team members and leaders don't do what HR wants them to do is because the HR programs and systems are the opposite of pragmatic. You know, they, they seem almost to be in a parallel universe from the real world. One balance that a lot of our members have to strike is the difference between great managing and great leading. And that's really hard to put into words. Can you describe the difference between the two? I don't know. I think that's a false distinction. We say things like managers manage processes and leaders lead people. But here we're just, we're just playing with words, really. The best managers of people are leaders of people. We lead teams of people. And so what do we call those people? Well, I think the word is team leader. In which case, what's a manager? The answer to that question is, I don't know. It's a job title. Anybody who leads people, the job of a team leader is to rally people to a better future. I don't care whether you've got six people on your team or you're leading teams of teams of teams of teams and you've got 600 people in your department. The bottom line is you're trying to rally people to a better future. So the questions you're struggling with as a team leader of six people are the same as when you've got 600. You're trying to figure out how do I get these people to feel like I know them, I see them, and I want them to help me create this better future. How do you do that when we're very busy and everyone is slightly a mystery to everyone else? That's team leading, in which case you might have a manager title. But I think it's just playing with words to say there's a difference between managing and leading, unless by managing you simply mean a bad leader. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.